Welcome to Blooming, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings, navigating how to grow up. I'm Tessa. And I'm Britt. And we'll be your co-hosts. Back to regular programming. (laughs) It's so good to be back as ourselves this week. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of Blooming. This week we are bringing you an in-bloom chat with a very familiar name for those Survivor fans out there. But this chat is so much more than that and dives into navigating different career paths, living with endometriosis, being a non-for-profit ambassador and taking on a mother figure role in your 20s. But before we get into it, Tessa, how was your week? I had a pretty busy week at work and in classic adulting style, I've managed to absolutely cook my back and neck, which means that my work week was busier because I had to take some time off. Luckily though, my brother-in-law is a physio, which comes in handy like more than I would like it to, Mm. but essentially he could like squeeze me in to help me out and just has been treating me every day since. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, but like, so in physio terms, what I've done, well, this is how he explained it to me. I've injured my neck and also my ribs. And so that's resulted in all of the muscles between my ribs and my neck tightening up and causing significant spasm and affecting some nerves. So like, not sure how I managed to do this or if I just like slept funny or I don't know, worked out too hard. I feel like it's the adulting thing to like sleep funny, but on steroids. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like me getting old. (laughs) (laughs) You poor thing. It sounds like it's been a wild week. But anyway, enough about me. How about you? My week was okay. Um, had a few ups and downs in my work life. You know, like some weeks are just better than others. But the highlight of my week would have to be taking Nala to watch Lockie's footy game on the weekend with Lockie's mum. We call each other like mother-in-law, daughter-in-law because it's easier to <laughs> explain. So that was super nice because I haven't got the chance to properly catch up with her in weeks. But yes, that was that was my week. Very simple. Wholesome content though. <laughs> Now it is time for our adulting wins and adulting fails from the week. Tessa, what have you got? So my one this week goes out to Sarah, who we've interviewed before on plant mumming. We'll have to link her episode in the show notes because everyone loves that one. You get lots of handy hints on the whole plant thing. So what I did this week is I noticed that my plants were like, the pots were leaving marks on my furniture, like where oh, I had yes, it. Oh, I get that. Yeah, and I'd talked to my dad about it before, about the fact that like if you water a plant and the plant sit, is sitting on like a wood surface, yeah. the water the and the moisture. wood, and yeah, it creates like its own little environment and it like wreaks havoc on the wood <laughs> and ruins it. But what I had it on was MDF and I was like, I thought that would be fine because it's like fake. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it'd be okay, but it looked like it was leaving marks. And so JJ and I went out and got a plant stand just from Kmart. I think it was like $30. It's really aesthetic and really cute. So I'll like have to link it in the the notes so that people can go and get it. If it's like not sold out, I hate when that happens. Oh, yeah. One of the best things about this though was that we were expecting to have to fully like construct this thing, but it was just like an A-frame and the shells like keep it in place. So you don't even have to do anything. Oh my God, easy It was so easy. And now my plants are like on display and like on their full glory. They're getting like the right amount of sun. Nice. Now I just want another one so I can get more plants. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to put a picture up of my little display on the Blooming Story so everyone can see. And your furniture is now safe. No more marks. Exactly. Love that win. That's a win. What about you? Lol, well, we are both actually bringing a plant-based win slash fail this week. (laughs) Were we reading each other's minds? (laughs) Yes, and I did include fail because mine is a fail. Oh, no. So... Yeah, at the front of our house, 
there's um, a hedge along the front fence line mm-hmm. and there's been some gaps ever since we moved in between the hedge. It's like awkward amount of space between it and it just <laughs> looks really patchy and weird. And I asked my mum and my nana who are both actually and my grandma, all three of them are very like green thumb. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, they'll tell me what I need to get, like what variety it is. So they were like, yep, it's a Maria. I didn't know that there were different varieties of Maria. Oh no. <laughs> and so I've gone out and I've bought the wrong type. Can and you return it? No. Oh no. I just bought it off a lady off um, Facebook Marketplace. Oh, can you resell on? Well, the thing is though, like I planted them a few weeks ago and it didn't even occur to me because like they're quite small when you buy them. Like I bought them as a small plant because like you can't buy a full grown hedge without it Why costing not? No. an arm and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I planted it and I was like, yep, on my merry way. Looks great. It's going to be filled soon. And then like a few weeks later, I was like, the leaf looks very different. Like, this doesn't look right. <laughs> and we also have, um, so there's two different types of marias. One type on the outside and one type on the inside of our fence line. Right. And so these are the right type for the inside of the fence line. Oh, no. And I think that's why I got confused when I was talking to my family members. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. Can I'm not like, going to take them out. I'm just going to see what happens. It could turn into a cool like vibe. a two-tonal hedge. Well, we have to keep <laughs> us updated. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> This week, we are talking to the one and only Daisy Richardson. If Daisy's name sounds familiar, it's because you likely saw her being a total boss on Survivor on not one, but two seasons. As we mentioned in our intro, Daisy is so much more than her time on TV. She is also an endo warrior and an ambassador for two not-for-profits, Quendo and Best Put Forward. In this chat, we'll touch on all of these things and so much more. Welcome to Blooming, Daisy. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so cool being in a studio (laughs) with real microphones and (laughs) just doing this. It's awesome. I love it. So we're going to start with the same question we ask all of our In Bloom guests, and that is what is an adulting win or adulting fail you've had this week? Um, mine is so boring. <laughs> I finished a book. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why, but every time I finish a book, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I'm so yes, accomplished. That's like, an accomplishment, and like having the time to actually read a book is so hard sometimes. Yeah, and I think my partner and I did um, goals at the start of the year about like just mini ones about what we wanted to do, yeah. and books are a big part of that. So to finish another book I was like hell yeah I've done it I've done it and it was one of those books that makes such an impact oh yeah what was it it? um it was Samantha Wills it was her autobiography yeah Yeah, of golden dust it's called oh I'll add that to my list yeah it's in like sitting on my bedside table yeah I got it signed at the Quendo event yeah 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 I'm like I will read you I just haven't had time yet oh my god another book I can borrow from you yes more than welcome to it but I feel like that's a pretty good adulting win like especially if it was a goal from the start of the year like I feel like you're underplaying it yeah oh definitely especially because we're of the age group where Samantha Wills was freaking huge when we were in high school every girl had on a piece of Samantha Wolf's jewelry yeah. at their like formal, the yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was such like a massive story. And then he, after hearing her keynote speech, and I'll get into it a bit later, but just like the timing of what happens in her life and what has happened in my life this week. I like finished the book and it was almost like 
this is your preparation for wow. news that you're going to get this week. And I don't know, I do believe in timings of the universe and whatnot. So, mm. yeah, now looking back, that was on Monday that I finished it on Friday. I'm like, oh, my God, how could that have happened? <laughs> like I finished that book that day and then this happened and then that happened. So. Yeah, Meant like, to be. Yeah, coincidental. But like is it coincidental or is that the universe? I know, I know. <laughs> this is how I feel. But, yeah, it's cool. It's good to have another one under the belt, that's for sure, book-wise, book-wise. Yeah. <laughs> So setting the scene a bit, you're only 25 now, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, 20, sorry. I always forget this. I'm 26. Oh, my 26. God, she's me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have said on this podcast so many times. I don't know how old I am. Yeah. I don't like to think about it. Well, you get to an age where people stop asking too. So I think the less times you say your age, you forget it. Wait, Whereas when what? you're 21, everyone's asking you, like, how old are you? You're like, oh, I'm 21. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm 21 or I'm 19. And yeah, you're I'm like, 18. oh, I, don't call me young. <laughs> like this little giggle and now we're like 26 I'm like ask me how old I am <laughs> <laughs> that is like the definition of being an adult Legit. in like heading to the later half of your yeah. 20s and you're like <laughs> yeah I'm like Crying. please ID me <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're only 26 and you've already fit like so much into your 20s. Can you talk us through like some of your key experiences? Yes, I definitely can. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after school. I dabbled in a few things. I put together a fashion portfolio and applied for the all famous course at QT that I feel like every (laughs) Brisbane girl has applied for. Um, Didn't get into that. I was working in retail at the time. Um... Then after that, got a job at an engineering firm, had a bit of That's a... That's a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. fashion to engineering. Yeah, and then I had what I like to call my first quarter life crisis oh. <laughs> at the ripe old age of 19. Um, <laughs> I with, love that. Yeah. Except I feel like you're making your quarter life really young. <laughs> really young, really young. Quarter life should not be 19. It should be like 26. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I rang my mum one day and I was like, I'm moving overseas. I'm not doing this anymore. I'd crashed my car. Oh. I'd broken up with a partner. That seems to be a common theme, the breakup and then the overseas trip. We've (laughs) talked about this before. Yeah, and I was like, I'm moving to Greece. And mum was like... Oh, my God, my dream as well. I was like, I'm just going to pack up one day and go. Like work in a bar in Greece. Yeah, Yeah, but this is when Greece was going through that massive recession, which they still are. But I Googled jobs in Greece and you know how the paid ad always pops up at the top of Google? Mm. It was like live and work in Canada and I clicked on it and I'm like, oh, this will do. (laughs) I'll take it. Yeah. I'm like, it ain't Greece but they're in a recession and this is here now so whatever. And I applied for this job and you send this dodgy company a holly bee of money to help you out with a visa that they don't really help you out with. (laughs) And um, I said to mum, I rang her back and I was like, yeah, I've been like accepted into this program to go and live and work in Canada and she was like, you have no money. And I was like, oh, no, but it's okay. I'll just quit my job here and I'll come home and work really hard and then I'll book a plane ticket and go. And mum was like, okay, whatever. Like she's so used to me just being so sporadic at this point and being a bit of a rebel in high school that I think she was like, roll with the punches. She's staying out of trouble. So, yeah, did that, um, went home, worked my butt off. Six weeks later, I got on a plane and moved to Canada. So, I did a summer season and a winter season over there. I lived in the Canadian Rockies and then also did my winter season in Sun Peaks. Yeah, so in BC. Um, Came back from that. 
and decided I wanted to be a primary school teacher. Uh, applied for the course, got in. They withdrew the course. Oh, what? no. Yeah. What bad luck. Yeah. So then I had six months to, like, up my sleeve. In. I'd moved back to Brisbane thinking I was, I was going to be a primary school yeah. teacher. So I became a full-time nanny for um, three families that I kind of skipped around. And then I ended up very weirdly at work – well, got a job interview at Flight Centre <laughs> – and I was like, oh, okay, like I, I really want to be a primary school teacher, but for six months this could work. Yeah. So I got the job, did did that, and then stayed at Flight Centre for four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. At the start of my Flight Centre career, I'd been to three countries and by the end I'd been to nine, ten. Yeah, I was wow. about to say, you'd get so much travel out of that. Yeah. So got to really, um, really live in that aspect. Um Obviously had a couple of relationships in there too, which didn't work out. Uh, and then obviously COVID happened. <laughs> love that. Yeah, love that. So something I thought was going to be my career for the rest of my life uh, very much changed that. So I was stood down and then later let go from Flight Centre as most of the company have been. So yeah. how did you bounce back from yeah being stood down? Um, <laughs> have I bounced back? <laughs> the million dollar question. No, I think the funny kind of timing with it all was I was asked, well, I applied to be on Survivor and went on Survivor while I was working at Flight Centre. And then when I came back very briefly in between seasons, <laughs> went back out to Survivor, went then came back to Australia and was like, oh, my God, I'm not coping, went overseas for a month <laughs> and then went officially back to work. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think once I came back to work at Flight Centre permanently awesome. after filming the two seasons, I was a bit not disengaged but I certainly wasn't flying career-wise the way I was before I went because like a huge like disruption to your everyday life yeah. right massive and I hate to use this really cliche cliche term but it does change your life and mm -hmm. things the way you think about things and the way you act and stuff do really change and even your circumstances around you ch really change as well my heart definitely wasn't in the role I was doing at that point and then COVID happened so it, I think initially I wasn't relieved but I was a bit like oh cool I'm gonna get this time off now being paid thanks JobKeeper <laughs> yeah and I thought I'll really find myself here yeah. and then I'll That's go back find to yourself nugget <laughs> yeah yeah obviously I didn't go back to work so I was a bit like wow okay I need to repurpose myself yeah. somehow which I think nearly everyone did did some sort of online course or yeah, took up yep. yoga or, mm. or became a frequent flyer at BWS I don't <laughs> know <laughs> you either went one way or the other um had this farming family mentality that was like I need to earn money yeah. I can't be sitting inside all day um so then I started landscaping so random but I think um using my hands and doing physical work I found very therapeutic at that time and because it is quite physical and it's like, do this, do that. Um, initially, I had a lot of time to think mm. as I was doing this stuff. Mm. So I think I combed over a lot of stuff in my head and, yeah, I guess rebuilt mentally that mm. way. Yeah. yeah. And I think when your identity is so attached to your career, yeah. it's really hard to – when you lose that career, go who? it's hard to go, who am I? That's why I think it's so important – 
to have other interests outside of work. Mm. Yeah. So you're still kind of like trying to figure it all out. Because are you yeah. landscaping still? No, so again. <laughs> So I landscaped and then I met my landscaping boyfriend, oh. not through landscaping. Oh, that's not ironically. How you met? <laughs> no. No, ironically didn't, but we were like, wow, we're both landscapers, what are the chances? <laughs> and um yeah, so I kept landscaping. He lived at the Gold Coast. I was living here in Brisbane. And we were kind of commuting between the two. Um, my partner has a ten year old son, which is doesn't make things tricky, but it's another factor to consider. So it's it's pretty easy, I think, as us as 20-something-year-olds. Like if we start seeing a guy or whatever, you can just go to their house or they can come over to yours or yeah. whatever. But if you've got a 10-year-old son that's at school, like it was me going there during the you week. You kind of have to fit into that schedule. Yeah, yeah, and he coming here on the weekend when someone or his parents could mind Ollie. Mm. So it, um, yeah, it started doing that and then I – we were travelling back and forth for so long and I was like, I always wanted to live at the Gold Coast. Like, I love you. There's, there's no reason to keep yeah. commit to this for another six months because mm. it came up for me to sign my lease. And, um, yeah, so I decided to move down there and I've always been really into my health and fitness as an outside-of-work passion project um, and I am a very keen fit stopper, which is a Brisbane yeah. Base company, um, and I knew that it was tried and tested, and I loved it, and I loved the way it made me feel. So I applied for a role, and now I'm assistant manager of a fit stop. <laughs> so good, yeah. It's like you turned your passion project into yeah. your work. Yeah, yeah. And it was like dappled in a lot of different industries on the uh, way. Like it's very colourful, like background. So colourful, yeah. and I think there's that sa- there's that statistic that every person changes their career at least six times yeah. in their life. I'm like, I'm well over six, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Six 16 for me if I keep going at the rate I'm going. I feel like there's nothing wrong no. with that though. No. Like just if it serves you at the time, do it. And when it's no longer serving you, yeah. see ya. Do something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty like inspirational to recognise that you are passionate about something and then make that happen for yourself. Like yeah. a lot yeah. of people would probably just stay in a role that they're not loving and not passionate about. Yeah, I feel like it's like that risk adversity. Yeah. It's for like sure. the comfort of being in a secure or stable job and that like it just – Gets you. Yeah. Well, I think that was the greatest thing about COVID is it was pushed you. Yeah. You didn't have a choice. They pushed you over the cliff. You didn't get the like the luxury of when do I jump? Mm. It's like, well, this is happening now, so you better figure it out. Mm. So had COVID not happened, I probably would have stayed at Flight Centre and stayed doing what I yeah. was doing. But now I'm working for a really cool company that I loved Flight Centre, but I love Fitstop. So you know, it just makes New experiences. you experiences. Yeah, for sure. Speaking about jumping straight into experiences, I feel like a big part of your twenties has been, of course, Survivor. Yes, which you touched on before and how it has um, shaped you a little bit in the way that you think post changed your show. life. Yeah. Yes. So you have been on it twice, and we have both watched and we're pretty, especially hooked on your journey. Just um, like little fangirls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's pretty – well, I guess because you were, like, our age-ish and, yeah. like, a very relatable character on the show for us. Um, it's pretty clear to anyone who has watched that show that the contestants go through a lot, both physically and mentally. I believe you only had six weeks break in between. Is that correct? Yeah. Which yeah. is just sure. wild. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's almost borderline unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you decide to sign up to Survivor to begin with and then agree to go back for the round two? 
Oh, wow. Okay, so first season, first reason or season, first reason for the first season <laughs> um, was I was an avid fan of watching season three. So that was chapter one of Champions vs Contenders. Mm-hmm. Matt Rogers, Lydia Lassler, Sean Coombs, Fenella, Shawnee season for those <laughs> yeah. of you that need a little. Survivor yeah, all those that are casuals and just need a little brush up. <laughs> Um, I at the time I was a massive fan of rugby union and I'd grown up watching rugby league. So Matt Rogers was a big name in my household. I think I've got a photo of me <laughs> holding a Matt Rogers footy card with my, <laughs> oh my face. Gosh. Yeah, painted green and gold. So watched it like nonstop and um, it's so addictive. Oh, it's so good. So you get good. So invested in characters. Yes, for sure. And that was me. And I went to work one day and as you do in an office workplace, you debrief on the reality TV yes. from the night before. Please yes. watched it. Yeah, what did we think? <laughs> and um, I was sitting there talking to one of my work colleagues about the show and, you know, we did this every morning after the show was on and she said, I think you'd be really good at it. Like physically, you know, you've got the fitness and you're obviously a really outgoing person. And I kind of brushed it off and I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. But whatever and I've always said and you will laugh at this and be like how could you always say that but I've always said I was going to go on reality tv really? I just knew and I knew even when I finished school I wanted to go on big brother but they had like a minimum age and I was only like yeah. 18 19 mm. when they did that revamp and, and then they stopped for ages exactly yeah. exactly so I mean you could still go on now yeah back in. Brother, if you're listening yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I we got to the end of this season and on the couch You know, they announced the winner, which was Shane Gould, and Jonathan LaPaglia, the host, came on the screen and said, "Um, if you're interested in playing Survivor, apply now. And I was like, I'm going to apply. I'm I'm going to apply. (laughs) So I got out my iPhone and it's like a five-page questionnaire about your personality. It's quite extensive, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's really long. So yeah, I started filling out this questionnaire because it ended quite late, obviously, as finales always do. Got into bed, madly tapping away on my phone and... I got to the end of the questionnaire and it said, okay, great, now submit a three-minute video. And that's I was what like, always gets me, the videos. The yeah, and I got to that bit and I was like, absolutely not. So I didn't got out of it. I was like, there's no way it's I'm like standing here with an iPhone <laughs> being like, hey, guys, pick me. <laughs> and so I saved it and forgot about it. And um, whenever you complete, anyone that's done a reality TV application will know they send you these really annoying emails that say, we see you haven't finished your application. Please come back and finish it. And they're just automated. It's never yeah. a person. So I was getting these emails and just like junk mailing them. Him and I split up. I moved into a new house with this girl I didn't know. I was really, really miserable. I lost an extreme amount of weight um mentally I was really not in a good place like was beside myself with just kind of coping with it all and then I got this automatic email one day that said applications close in three days and I was at my little loft apartment in Paddington and I thought what have I got to lose so I was in my pajamas and I set up my phone on my dresser and I spoke for 45 seconds I mashed it in with a couple of videos from like my childhood and childhood rather and um, submitted it and I was like like whatever what it doesn't matter I've done it like I can say I've applied for it now and tick it off my list of things that I always wanted to do and then 
didn't succeed at. <laughs> and um, the next morning I had an email saying, hey, we need to Skype you at 9am today. Oh, my God, the next morning. Yeah. They work quick. Yeah, so there's a lot of production team on it that are filtering filtering through that stuff. So, yeah, I went, I booked in a meeting room at Flight Center. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> work, work time. <laughs> yeah, I had this Skype interview. Had a, had a really good, like, chat with this producer, got along with him really well and then kind of the next part of the process is they say, oh, can you come along to a group audition, which is the top 3%. So I think only about 2,000 or 3,000 people get oh through God. to that which point. Which is still so, so many people, people. Yeah. like if that's only the top 2 and 3%. Mm. Yeah, because I think – or maybe that's wrong, but I think I know over 25,000 people apply. So it must be less than 3,000 that get through Quick to math, this point. This is not my yeah, no, me neither, me neither. <laughs> I got two group auditions, which <laughs> – Ironically, was at the hotel next door to flights and oh <laughs> No, because I had to call in sick. Oh, oh and then you're like to, to go like to this. Face. Like nobody see me run into this building. Exactly, and they tell you to come dressed in your most expressive clothing. <laughs> so you're not like so you're like trying not to be seen, but then you have to wear yeah, something. You're like not yeah, you're like inconspicuous at all. Yeah, I'm like trying to be a wallflower, but also look at me. <laughs> So I'm in. Wait, I'm, I want to know what you wore. Yeah, oh, you? yeah that's cool. I've oh. still got the clothes, but it's funny because I look at it now. And I'm like, I would never wear that. <laughs> so it was a white skirt that had daisies all over oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. and then like a white um, little crop. And then I had this stage row, always wore ankle boots. Don't know what was up with that. <laughs> and then I had also had a stage, still am kind of in that stage, weaning <laughs> myself out of it, but wore these massive hoop earrings. Oh, and nothing wrong with a hoop. No, yeah. nothing wrong with a hoop. And um, yeah, so I went to this group audition and I knew it went really well. And they said, if we don't hold you back at the end, you haven't made it through to the next stage. So, Gosh, that would be terrifying. Yeah, and then no one in my group got held back. So I was like, whatever. Went and got on the bus home and my phone started ringing and they're like, hey, have you left yet? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, no problems. Come back tomorrow. Wear the exact same thing you were wearing today. Treat it like Groundhog Day. We'll see you at 9 a.m. And I was like, Uh, it's like such a covert mission because you've signed so many NDAs, even at this point. And so you come back. I'm giving you the full rundown. (laughs) You probably don't need to know all this. No, I'm so interested in this. Yeah. So you come back and, yeah, they interview on camera one-on-one. And then from then they make you do all – these other – so you got to do a physical test, a mental health test, a psychology yeah. test, a personality test. Like they have to assess pretty much everything. You do jump through all these hoops and they still haven't said, hey, you're going. Mm. So you're doing all these things. Like taking then, all that time out of your schedule. Yeah. It's like an extensive mm. job interview. Mm. And, um, yeah, so then one day I was at work and I saw my phone ringing and I saw the head of Survivor Australia's name popping up. She offered it to me so – I think I initially auditioned in January and then I got on a plane in April. So I had about three, four months between start to then getting to the island. Right, so you can like prepare yourself mm. a little. Yeah, yeah. Get so your I, affairs in order, is that what they say? Yeah, we have to because you don't certainly have internet banking. You've got to set up all your direct debits. Yeah. Um, someone's got to look after all of your stuff. You've like – you know, if something like life, just general life admin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you've got to do like potentially two months in advance yeah. worth. Cause if you make it right until the very end, you do not have contact with the outside yeah. world. Yeah. So yeah, I had to figure out all of that stuff. I was also training my little butt off physically. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really swim. 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So I had to download an app to teach me. <laughs> oh, my God, you're kidding. How to swim properly or how to do like strokes. Like, yeah, because the swimming is intense and like well, the, ocean. the open ocean. Yeah. yeah. I am not a strong swimmer. No, as soon as you add a current, like, yeah. see, ya, I would not be able to do those challenges. I'm sure you, I feel like once you are put in the situation, or like you adrenaline. Yeah. Like, well, it's this or die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's this or not win half a million dollars. <laughs> But yeah, so I was like at the pool twice a week doing laps um, and I gave up coffee because I didn't want to go through withdrawals when I was out there. I I gave up alcohol because I had a lot of anxiety at the time, thinking about going on and also dealing with the breakup as well. So just take it out of the mix. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, and I was also like, I didn't have time to be hungover. Like I was training so hard that I was like, I don't have this in my week. I don't have a Sunday to be laying around eating pad thai like <laughs> sorry yeah. sorry pad thai <laughs> sorry pad thai i'm giving you a miss for now oh, we'll catch up later yeah i'll see you in a couple of months when i'll really want you <laughs> we'll rekindle our flame but yeah so then um went away went to the show yeah was it like what were your feelings when you landed on the island I was going to pull out. Really? Yeah. So I got there and was just so overwhelmed and I was like, I don't think I'm ready to show my whole personality to the whole of Australia yet. And especially because the season I had just watched had rated through the roof. Yeah. So you knew you would be in in front of so many eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And like Channel 10's a major network. Mm -hmm. So she came in and the head of Survivor Australia and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just don't think I can do it. Like. They've just got too much on my plate. She was like, this is not the girl I met, like, yeah. in group auditions. And I think it had just got to me so much. That Probably I was like, all, like, caught up to you. Yeah. yeah. And the worst part is, is <laughs> before you actually start the show, they sit you in a hotel room for five days. Don't they, like, isolate you? Yeah. With no phone, no TV, like, you you, do, you can't go outside because other contestants are in other hotel rooms and they don't want you to form alliances before the game starts. I had it all. It's that like lockdown, all, but on yeah, steroids. Yeah. So and like five days is actually a really long time if you have nothing to distract yourself yeah. with. Yeah. Well, don't I mean, they like take the clocks and stuff from the room as yeah. well, so you have no concept of, of time. time. Yeah. No yeah. I don't know where I got that fun piece of No, life. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they, there's no clocks in the room. I'm sending you in a little bit. Yeah, crazy maybe it's already. like trying to figure out if Who's you make yeah. it like psychologically. Well, it's it's honestly more for privacy concerns. And in yeah. that in that week they do a lot of different stuff. So um you go out and do your pre-game interview, you do a lot of photo shoots, but you, they take you out one on one, do it and then put you back in your cage. Like <laughs> that's that's as far as it goes and they also do you chat with a lawyer and you have what we call or what I like to call skeleton talks. Mm. So before you go on the show you say no 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 criminal history, no looming past. Like, no skeletons in my closet. Yeah, nothing nothing coming out. Yeah. And then you do another one after you've been accepted. And then when you're over in Fiji sitting in this hotel room, this lawyer sits in front of you and goes, okay, well, you're definitely going, so now tell me the truth. Like, <sighs> you know, is there anything you want to admit? And it's a lot of like you second guess yourself because you're yeah. like, oh, have I ever done anything really stupid? Even though you're not guilty, you're like, am I guilty? It's like when you like walk past police and you yes. automatically feel like it's you've like, done something I ran wrong. I a red light one time. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> it was oh, an think. accident. And then you start, you're like, oh, do I need to recite all my speeding fines? <laughs> like, so, yeah, I think the pressure just got to me. But in the end, I obviously did yeah. do it. And so why did you go back for round two? 
Uh, oh, you have such a hunger for it. Mm. I, I've never really been a super competitive person until that show. Mm. And Brings it out of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you did get pretty far in the first season. Yeah. So it's like, God, I was so close. Maybe I'll get it next time. Exactly. Because I was a week out the first time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, seven more sleeps. I would have won it. God, Daisy. <laughs> but then you get to look at it and be like, yeah, still seven more sleeps. Like yeah, so, so much can happen in that time. Yeah, exactly. So... I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and do it again. And especially because what happened with our season is because we were filmed so close to All Stars, the I got asked as I was sitting in Jury Villa yeah. for my season. So I hadn't even gone home yet. And my head was still so in the game and I was like, Oh yeah, like I'll do it again. And I, I don't think I'd had a lot of time. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd still do it again now. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret my choice, but I definitely hadn't had time to even decompress, let alone answer that question. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of why I decided to so, go back. So before heading to the island for the all-star season, you were quoted saying, I'm hanging for another blind side. Yes. I know blind sides are a big part of Survivor, and that's what like Survivor is all about, I guess, um, playing the game. But I still got frustrated when people would like backstab other contestants they'd formed an alliance with. And I imagine this would have been even harder for you as an actual contestant and not knowing whether you could trust people. Can you talk to this and like how it's maybe impacted your ability to trust people post-production in the real world? Yeah, so it sends you actually loopy out there. <laughs> probably me more than anyone and I'm, I'm okay to say I was probably one of the most paranoid, especially on my season. Um, like how can you not be yeah. though, right? Yeah. Well, especially because like, I mean, in the end I put Sean's name down and he was my biggest alliance in the game. Like mm-hmm. I knew I was capable of it. And I think um, the blind side, my first kind of blind side, which I instigated and probably would have been my, I guess, signature move in the game, if you will. It didn't really air that way on TV, but whatever. Uh, it, it, I think, and everyone is entitled to their own, own opinion, that was the best move for me in the game to make it as far as I did. But in saying that, the person I voted out was a contender. If we're splitting it up in, into champions versus contenders, at the end we were outnumbered, I think, down to the final like five yeah. and then the tables turned. But, you know, it, it was just like, oh, my God, I did this thing that benefited me so greatly. So you think, oh, I'll do this again and if I pull it off, like I'll be hailed a hero because we do – I mean, Survivor is a game and when you come home, people do really glorify those blind sides. And now I've obviously been on the other side of it (laughs) in my All-Stars season because I still, like, it's airing in South Africa at the moment, two years later, which is so strange. But I have people inboxing me today being like, Dave blindsided (laughs) you and it's the best thing I've ever seen, sucker. And you're like, wow, it's like a a hangover. I'm like, I've gotten over this now and now I'm reliving it all because you guys are reliving it all wow I think when something like as human beings you're really stripped back to being really primal out Mm. there and it is kind of that that pack mentality so if there's something you need to do for you to survive you do it Mm. simple as that no, that yeah. makes sense. But do you do you get paranoid with people in the real world now? Are you like, um, oh, am I waiting to be blindsided? <laughs> when I first came back, my best friend texted me and said, oh, do you want to go and have a coffee this morning? And I turned to my roommate and I was like, why is she lying to me? <laughs> and my roommate was like, what do you mean? Daisy, it's your best friend. She wants to go have a coffee with you. And I was like, yeah, but what does she want out of it? 
And she was like, probably just to catch up. And she's like, you've been away for two months on an island. She probably wants to have a few more conversations with you before you go back on another island. And I was like, no, there's got to be more to it. And I was like, oh, what? And I really, I used to struggle with that. Yeah, that was probably my biggest thing. Other than that, like you do very much separate it because you've got to, otherwise you're not going to cope. Like you compartmentalise it. A game is a game. Um, Especially in Jury Villa, I did a lot of writing and talking and, you know, it is kind of that rehab for what you've just been through. And people explain why they did this or why they spoke to you like this. So when you do get back. It's kind of a bit of closure, I guess. For sure. But in saying that, yeah, there was a little bit of lingering lingering stuff there I've always yeah and I've always been quite cautious of people's um, intentions anyway so I think yeah Mm. yeah so I think I was probably pretty prepared for it Mm. so you were the youngest contestant on was it both your seasons no I was the the second youngest on my first Baden was the youngest and I was the youngest on all stars yeah so that's like pretty wild how did you navigate being the youngest or the second youngest do you feel like it like helped or hindered the experience being in your early 20s? There were people out there who were much older than me that, like you said, ha- like ha- like I'd packed a lot in yeah. in, my, in my early 20s. So I felt older than them out there. Yeah. I've always been a really old soul. Like I've been pretty much independent since I was five because yeah, I've yeah. been away Boarding from my mum and dad and for so long. Um, the thing that probably I that I guess hindered me in a way was – uh, in your early 20s, especially as a female, you're really worried about what people think mm-hmm. and especially body image and stuff like that. So kind of the social media, I guess, backlash in inverted commas, if you will, um, is quite stressful, especially mm-hmm. when you're back and kind of getting these messages as you sit and watch the episode and people, everyone just pulls such different things from it. They're like, oh, she said this this way, so she means that. When you may not have meant that at all, but then now it's 21st century, we've all got a platform to say exactly what we want and we can, you know, reach out to whoever we want and there's a big chance that they will see it. There's a big Mm -hmm. chance they won't too. But, you know, I probably, I read into a lot of stuff too much. I've always struggled, I've struggled with body image like I can't even remember a time where I didn't but struggle with body image and how I looked. Um, so when I was getting a lot of these messages, I was taking them really personally. Yeah. Like there were some really awful things said and I probably wasn't fully comfortable in my own skin yet being yeah. that young. Yeah, whereas a lot of the guys, not to say guys don't have body image issues, but a lot of the guys on especially my seasons, it probably didn't bother too much. That must be hard, like now it being aired in different places because mm. you kind of would start, yeah, like you mentioned, getting those mm. kind of messages all over again. Do you yeah. think it kind of like pulls you back in there or do you think that now you're a bit older you can kind of like put it at arm's length a little bit? Um, I feel like I've way come into my own more. Yeah. I think Survivor kind of pushed me too because it was like – you are the only person that's going to stand up for you fully ever. Mm. Like, you know, so, yeah, I just can't. And I, I did become a lot more confident after I did the show because there, with the bad messages, there were a lot of good ones too. Like lots of supportive ones. Yeah. And then I also kind of, um, I listened to someone speak one day on a podcast and they said, you need to remember that in life you, 
like don't eat other people's validation for breakfast because it won't always be there. So I used to feed off these really nice That's messages. Quote, yeah. yeah. And you can't like you can't rely on it because it's not always going to be on the table. So I kind of yeah. thought, well, the only person that can validate me is me and I became way more resilient to it and I was like, whatever, like I love myself. This body's done some amazing things. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't look perfect all the time. Maybe my facial expressions make me look like yeah. I don't, you know, make me look like I want to vomit sometimes. <laughs> but you just got to kind of move on from that and go, yeah, but like what has my face done and yeah. what are all these really cool things like that I've been also able your to have. bodies are pushed to the limits on yeah. Survivor. I think it's so wild that anyone would comment on someone's body on Survivor when like they don't have a hugely nutritional diet no and they're doing all of this like really physically strenuous yeah. activity but yeah. also what are and the every inch of your body is shown pretty much yeah. Like, yeah you don't have like stuff to cover up with no so yeah. like you just see but everything also, like what are the odds that the people messaging you are sitting on the couch doing nothing <laughs> yeah. while like probably like snacking on something as yeah well. eating yeah. a big bag of crisps <laughs> like. yeah while you're like out there like pushing your body to the max but even mm. outside of like such like a show like that no one should be commenting no. on anyone's body regardless it's no. just ridiculous it is so frustrating and I also like to flip it on its head and because I used to get a lot of comments about like my personality and how I was so gruff and stuff like that too and it's like yeah that's okay that you you might not like but that but that gruff personality and that outgoingness is actually what got me on exactly. the show like yeah. I wouldn't have got there without it yeah. so it's all yeah. part of the package yeah you, they chose you, you because you're you yeah, yeah exactly so I definitely remember watching you be sent to Exile Island in the Champions First Contenders season and I think that's got to be like one of the hardest episodes to watch for me because you were like trying to get that fire started while it was raining. Um, I was just on the edge of my seat because I was like, light the fire. Mm, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Can you tell us about this experience? Like, was it really as bad as it looked on TV? Did they, you know, cinematize it more or like? Ooh. Um, so I'll give you the shortened version. But essentially, I got to exile at about approximately, because there's no obviously time, about 10 o'clock at night on the first night. Obviously, you're in the pitch black, so you can't really do anything. There's no lights. There's just a camera guy watching you there. So I just laid my bag down, went to sleep. And thank God it was dry that night. Mm -hmm. So I could just sleep with my head on my bag and go, you know, whatever. So the next morning I got to work. I built a shelter. I started a fire, cooked a big pot of rice. And I was like, I am queen of the world. <laughs> Killing it. Yeah. I was like, ha you suckers. You people that <laughs> voted me out, I bet all seven of you couldn't do this solo, but I can. So I was in such a good headspace. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, I'm going to get back into this game. And I haven't had to ration this rice it's all no, mine yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back in and beat you like I'm gonna physically feel better I'm gonna go in and beat you and I you have a lot of time out there to think about your strategy without anyone trying to put ideas in your head because you're on your own mm, yeah. so exile I kind of looked at as a bit of a tool because I was like amazing great I'm feeling good like mm -hmm. this is this is everything I wanted mm -hmm. a bit of time out from all these people and then that night went to bed and at first it started as a droplet and then it started as a shower and then it started as a pour and then it continued and continued. And my shelter held up 
initially and I was like, this is cool, whatever, it's rain. It had rained other nights. I knew I'd get through it. What I didn't know at the time is it was a storm off the edge of a cyclone (laughs) and the wind started and in the end it rained for something like eight hours and no matter how many palm fronds you've got on the top of that shelter, with that much water they separate and water – water leaks in so I kind of curled up in a ball to try and keep at least like my torso part of me will dry oh yeah yeah Mm. and um I had cut the top of my thumb off about a week earlier and a medic was looking at it every day just to make sure it wasn't getting infected infected and they'd pour peroxide over the top of it so the medic came out that next morning to look at my finger after I'd been soaking wet there was so much rain that the the for all the cameras broke, so there oh. wasn't even someone filming me yeah. for a lot of it because. Oh my gosh, that's psycho! The, yeah, <laughs> and they're this, like, we're gonna go in the shelter. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, See ya. yeah, and so I was like, oh my god, the camera guys can't even, and they've got a dryer bone and an umbrella and like a yeah. massive like these cameras are made to be waterproof and mm. do this jungle stuff, <laughs> and um. And the medic came out and he said, hey, Daisy, I'm here to look at your finger. Can you um, stick it outside this shelter for me? So I didn't even move. I just went like, well, this is bad, bad audio. I stuck my finger out of the shelter. <laughs> She's doing the action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I gra- he grabbed my thumb and goes, whoa, okay, I'm going to take your temperature because my hands were so cold. Yeah. And he said, okay, I think you're about 20 minutes off hypothermia. Oh, if, my gosh. If the rain hasn't stopped in 20 minutes, you need to strip off to nothing and try and keep what you have dry and start doing laps down the beach, like oh. to warm your body temp up. And the rain didn't stop, so I stripped down to my undies and sports bra and started doing laps up and down. That's yeah. horrific. Yeah, the beach. And I was a bit like – oh, my God, this is insane that this is even <laughs> happening. Like, Surely there's got to be another way. <laughs> yeah, and then because obviously my fire had gone out. Um, I just can't believe they don't even help you then. Mm. Like, no. That, there's That's no I mean. way they like, break the – Put you nah. in a little – what's little it called? Like a hoodie, like yeah, jumper. Yeah, <laughs> like give you, me you a those, like, foil blankets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, legit. And um, so the whole ne- – it did actually stop raining, but where Exile is, there's so much tree cover and there wasn't any sun. So I couldn't get anything dry. I couldn't yeah. get my clothes dry. And so I was trying to start this fire with all soaking wet materials, which you just can't do. And in the end, I started – like I just said to um, the producer, I was like, I'm done now. Like I'm going to walk. I was like, do mm. I go back to Australia or will I get to go into Jury Villa? Like my head was totally out of it. Mm. I was As done. As you would be, Yeah. I had been trying for about six hours to get this fire started. Yeah. And you know what they say, insan- definition of insanity is doing, doing something over, over and over, over and again. getting the same results. And nothing was happening. So I was literally going insane. And so the site came out and I had started to have a panic attack as he turned oh up. And he was like, okay, come away from the cameras. We're going to go have a chat on the beach. So... He had a chat to me and he was like, you can do this. And I was like, no, no, like you need to You're just tell listening. me, am I going home? Like no one's listening. And he was like, Daisy, you will get it. And eventually I did. I don't know what made me try again, but I did get the fire and I rebuilt that shelter up. And Simon then got voted to Exxon. He turned up and he had a pot of rice on the fire for him, a built shelter and had just been through this ordeal with like six yeah. other people. 
And he was like, oh, how are you going? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. Like, don't even, don't <laughs> even get me started. And then, of course, he beat me in that challenge. So it was just like the longest yeah. like detour to get to Jury Villa <laughs> ever. So I just had to deal with all this like trauma <laughs> just to get the same result. Yeah. 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 No, it's pretty heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to watch. No, thanks. I was heartbroken too. (laughs) (laughs) So you've spoken publicly about your struggles with endometriosis. Can you please talk us through like a bit of your journey with endo, especially not getting a diagnosis until you were 22? Yeah, so um, I have always had really painful periods. I feel like all endo stories start with this. I've always had really painful Mm -hmm. periods. Even through high school, school nurse said, like they wouldn't even give you Nurofen, I feel like, when we were at school they're like yeah. oh it's just a period like lay down you'll be right yeah. you probably didn't even know what was going on you're probably like oh I guess this is normal well I I did and I did think it was normal until one day I went into remember you go meet up with like someone in the city mm. like oh, yeah. You, yeah so you go see them at HJ's at Hungry, <laughs> yeah. Hungry yeah, Jack's Queen Street Mall that is like Brisbane such a Brisbane thing. institution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I was in grade 10 at the time and it was when those Supre black rats oh my were like so <laughs> popular, flashback, and the gladiator sandals oh over gosh. the top of Yes, like the huge ones up to your knees. <laughs> yeah, the Kylie Jenner. I feel like she tried to revamp them and it didn't work, sis. But, um, yeah, so I went to Botanical Gardens and with this person and – we kind of sat underneath a tree or whatever and then I had my period but I had a tampon in. Mm. I don't care about TMI. If you can't listen to this stuff then you're on the wrong it's podcast. Okay. I got, <laughs> yeah, I got pretty TMI in my <laughs> chat about it so all good. Go yeah, for it. But um, so, yeah, I stood up. So I'd been sitting down with my legs out horizontal and I stood up and I started walking back towards like CBD from Botanical Gardens and – I could feel like something wasn't right and it was a bit of a warm day and those black rats used to get pretty sweaty anyway. So I was just kind of like, whatever, I must just be a bit sweaty. And then I looked down at my feet and there was blood on my ankles Mm. and I was like, what? Why is there blood on my ankles? And then I looked down at my black shiny tights and there was blood all the way from – Obviously, my vagina down. Like I'd lost yeah, so much, much blood. blood that it had reached my ankles and I hadn't in like me walking mm. 50 metres. Yeah. And I said, I was like, you need to walk in front of me. Mm. And they were like, what? And I was like, don't ask questions, just please walk in front of me. Yeah. And I was texting my friends and I was like, meet me at Hungry Jack's. My mum was actually in town that day for some reason. And I was like, I'm going to text mum and she'll pick us up straight away. And um, they saw me at Hungry Jack's and they looked and they were with some other friends from our brother's school. And one of the guys pointed oh, and was like, no. oh, my God, like what? Like that's gross. And Ugh. I was just like, oh, I was beside myself. As you would be. Yeah. So we ran to this car and I got in it. And mum had a towel that I sat on in the car, which became saturated with blood oh my God. as I was sitting on it. And I just remember crying and I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, mm. I never understood it. And um, so then, yeah, years went on um, and I just realised, I was like, something is not right. Like, I don't know anyone else that has to, like, change their tampon or whatever as often as I do Mm. I don't know anyone else that's having periods that are this painful and 
I had 10 misdiagnoses. Like I had everything from being told I had IBS to a gluten sensitivity. The biggest one. Yeah. Thyroid problems. Like you name it, they try and pin it on anything. So confusing though, as a girl in high school, like it would have been really frustrating. Yeah. Well, and then I finished school and like obviously had all these misdiagnoses. And then I think I saw something on the TV one night that was talking about endo. And I was like. I have that. Mm -hmm. Like I was literally on the couch and I was like, I have that. Like I know that's me. And I went to this doctor and I was like, I think I've got endo. I needed to check it out for me. And this doctor, who I can still remember to this day, laughed at me. She started laughing. She goes, I can tell you don't have endo just by looking at you. Which is BS. Which, yeah, because you (laughs) literally need surgery to find out you have endo sometimes it pops up on an ultrasound but not like very rarely and I got in the car and I was bawling my eyes out and I was like this is so frustrating like why isn't anyone listening to me and then um I had the exploratory surgery and obviously found out I did have it um they couldn't get it all which doesn't really matter anyway because even if they do get it all it can grow back Mm. and I lasted about 10 months before I had another form of surgery with an oncologist um and then I kind of I was I was still having really painful like there were points where I was losing like cups of blood like cups like so much and I think and I was so like horrified I was like whoa I'm hemorrhaging from the inside here um so yeah it was really stressful because it was quite painful too so I had my second surgery and then went on Survivor. And then because you're in such a calorie deficit on Survivor, the first thing your body does is goes, okay, well, we can't reproduce right now. So your period stops altogether because mm. you're like malnourished. Mm-hmm. And then after the show, it took me a really long time to get my period back, um, mm. which was, again, really stressful because I'd been, I'd been trying all these years just to have a normal, regular yeah. period. Like, yeah, you'd gone from, like, one extreme to the, to the other. other. Yeah, so I was bleeding all the time to then not bleeding at all and I was like, oh, my God. The- I was interested in that. So, like, when you were on Survivor, you weren't getting a period. Does that mean you didn't have any pain or, like, you didn't have any? Uh, no, I did. I had it – ironically, I had it more the second time even though I was oh. there for seven days and the 41 days I had it on the first – beats me why but yeah I mean the good thing was there was always medical help there um in saying that they're not going to lay down on a bed and give you a hot water bottle like Mm -hmm. they if they'll give you painkillers if they absolutely have to uh which they did but yeah so I was pretty lucky in that Mm. regard but yes I guess it did help because I wasn't having that cycle I wasn't getting the pain as often so then I got back from Survivor focused really hard on then having getting that period back um and then kind of over the past 18 months I've had more pain and it's come back again and I'm I've really tried everything in the book to not go down the surgery route again Feels. yeah <laughs> yeah because it's not fun being cut open like it would be frustrating if you've already had it because you're like <laughs> why do I have to do it again yeah and I know how long the recovery is and I know how stressful it is and I know how debilitating it is and especially for someone that it's such an out – not that it's not for everyone, but I'm such an outdoors person and I've got such like an active well, lifestyle. Yeah, like you're working at FitStop now as well. That would mean stopping work, work. for a bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, last year I kind of thought, oh, am I going to have to have surgery again? Like if I'm having more pain and none of this stuff's working. And 
Um, yeah, fast forward to <laughs> this week. <laughs> I after I finished my Samantha Wills book, who also mm. has endo. Mm. Um, I've been given the news that I am going to have to have surgery again, and that as a 26 year old, I now have to make the de- well, not even make the decision. I have to freeze my eggs because what's happening inside of me isn't working and if Mm -hmm. we keep having to have these surgeries every couple of years we're adding more scarring to it and they're also scraping off eggs in the process because they're like they're not working so yeah yeah. that's a huge like really confronting thing Tessa did mention that she's been um told that she needs to freeze her eggs when I was 21 hadn't had the surgery like so then I don't have an official diagnosis which is a whole other I think level of things at any time during your 20s being told that you need to freeze your eggs that's really confronting confronting. yeah Yeah. and I'm so sorry that you're going through it because it's obviously our paths are different but I can empathize and know like for sure similar and and back and the same to you too like I was I've been at the stage where you've been at where I was like wow I'm trying to avoid surgery at all costs Mm. if I can Mm. but um yeah so I think I think initially when it first kind of came onto my radar that I was going to have to freeze eggs like I was a single girl with my 20 something year old friends and we were all partying and stuff and I was like wow we're all like worried about our hangover on the Monday and I need to also be worried about whether I'm going to be able to reproduce in five years like so I just felt like not that my problems were bigger but I just thought wow like I don't even know where to go with this and it was such a taboo topic because unfortunately no one wants to talk about vaginas Mm. Um, but also like a lot of people who if they don't have the same symptoms as you or are going through the same thing it's really hard to understand yeah. and that's yeah. something we've talked about yeah. before because like I, I don't have endo and it's really hard for me to like understand just how bad it is just because yeah. I've never experienced it yeah. and I tried like I mean I try to show you as much empathy as I and can you do you do a very good but, but it is it's not something that I can relate to so. Yeah, because I I know I don't know if your experience was the same, but a lot of times my friends were just like, "Oh, it's just your period." Like, yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah. And I'm like, "But what is just your period? Yeah. is not what my is period, just my, my period. period. My period is different to your <laughs> period." Yeah. Now I have a chronic illness. <laughs> yeah. Today is a Tuesday for you. <laughs> These are very different things. Please do not confuse them. At the time, I was very much like, "Oh my god, what am I doing? What am I doing?" And then. The other thing that comes into play here is a fertilised egg, so an embryo, has a one in three chance of surviving. An unfertilised egg has a one in ten chance of surviving. We talked about this too. Yeah. It's like when you're – like I was 21. When you're young and single and it's like, okay, well, it's better if they're fertilised and you're like, but who's going to fertilise Fertilise them. Eggs? No. And yeah. it's like a, not an easy conversation to have someone, especially if you're like first seeing someone you're getting kind of serious. Yeah. So, Do you keen to fertilise these babies? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like it's something you have to talk to them about because yeah. it's like, well, if we don't, do you know that there's then a possibility that this might not happen for us if that's a path we go down? Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, just the way that society is, like it's not really something men think about as no. much. Like they don't think about like whether you need to consider like the things you need to set up in your life before even having a child and yeah. how having a child might affect your life completely afterwards like exactly just don't think about it it's, it's just different <laughs> but it's also different. like and it's it's the same thing and it's like well do I ask a friend to fertilize these 
or do I go down the sperm donor path? Mm. So then it's just like it's a whole other philosophical, like what am I doing? So I just went, uh, until I really need to, I'm not going to make this decision. I've been advised but I've not been pushed, so whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, Luckily, very luckily for me and touch wood, (laughs) um, I then met like my soulmate and I'm with my partner now who has – a child so understands parenting and is very much all over this like and can show the yeah, empathy and, you and can stuff. Talk to him about it and he's not like woo yeah <laughs> yeah he's like okay yeah if we and we have a great desire to I'll build fertilize. <laughs> yeah we have a great desire to grow our family so oh, that's great. we know that this is something we want to do and yeah after this next round of surgery that will be probably next on our agenda well, good luck with it all. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I hope it works we really so appreciate well. you sharing that. Oh, yeah. that's okay. I think I've just like this is the first time I've talked about it and not cried this week. So thank oh, you, you guys. You are doing so <laughs> great. You are. You are. Thank you. Yeah, it would be such an emotional decision to make. And sure. look, I might not be far behind you. Yeah, so. <laughs> sisters, <laughs> turkey basting twins. <laughs> So you are currently an ambassador for two non-for-profits. So Quendo is one and Endometriosis one and Best Foot Forward. Can you tell us about what you get out of these roles and why you enjoy working with these organisations? Um, well, yeah, Quendo is a pretty easy one just on the topic we've just talked about. It's an awesome organisation. It's Queensland-based. Um, they've got a really good crew there that do what they do. Um, it's all pretty much volunteer bar, I think, one role in it so these it's is this these girls passion project um and it's huge it's amazing like i think tessa can definitely like advocate for a lack of a better word for the community that it is and they Mm. have some really awesome events and it's a great support network especially because like tessa and i said before like it is such an isolating disease and you do feel Mm. so like you know, like you're the only one going through this. It was so interesting you said that because the first Quendo event I went to was this year where I met you. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was with my mum and my sister because my mum has endo, my sister doesn't, she... Just wanted to get pierced for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we were just kind of like, I was sitting there and I was listening to everyone speak. And I was just like, I've never felt so seen. Yes. I was like, they were saying all these things and I was like, oh my gosh, these people get it. Like they get it. It was just like an amazing experience to have. Like when you're in a room full of people, like not just talking to someone who can like sympathize or someone else who knew who has it, but like a whole room full of people people. who get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, I mean, everyone's different, but it wasn't just like your regular Joe's. Like the premier was there. She has it. Samantha Wills was there. She has it. A Paralympian was there. She has it. Like this does help to normalize it. Like, I mean, the rates of it aren't, I mean, it's not every single person, but they are high. Like there's a lot of people out there. So it's nice that you don't have to feel alone going through it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when Quendo asked me to come on board, I was like, absolutely. Like, I don't even need to consider this. Of course. And, um, yeah, so that's been a really cool organisation to be a part of. Um, So go check them out. Um, And then the second one being Best Foot Forward. So that is educating underprivileged women throughout the world. So that kind of stretches, you know, that's a bit more of a global. So I wanted to do something local local and then something a bit more global. So, yeah, that's a really cool organisation that I've been lucky enough to be a part of. Obviously, Corona put a big halt on a lot of our main fundraisers, but Mm. being to advocate where I can because I think 
as women, we all need to be feminists and it is really important that we all have an opportunity to be educated. Yeah, for sure. Super important. It's so – it's, like, amazing that you get to be part of those two organisations at such a young age as well. I think – and it's funny because when I started Survivor, I was like, I don't care whether I don't gain a single follower or, you know, I get – nothing out of this experience I was like if I get to somehow work in the endometriosis space from this experience that's it like it's done enough for me and then I did get that so yeah yeah, I was really lucky so you now advocate a lot for other people who have endometriosis and you obviously share your story and you're being so generous with that today but how did you find advocating for yourself like when doctors laughed at you like you said before like disregarded your symptoms yeah so how did you like keep showing up for yourself and keep advocating for yourself Um, Probably working backwards now, I mean this week, which is what's freshest in my mind, is don't be afraid to ask questions. So I think a lot of people go into these specialist rooms and they shout a lot of big or say a lot of big words to us and we work out and you're like, what have I even just been told? So I know a lot of specialist interviews, I used to take a notebook. With a oh, pen yeah, and pad. <laughs> yeah. And I used to be like, what What do you mean by what you're saying? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So push further. If you don't understand, don't be a wallflower about it. Um, the second thing is like we're 20s. Well, we're in our mid-20s now. We can choose the circle we have around us. So mm. that's a real luxury. Like we can choose who our friends are. So pick friends that are going to be supportive of this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. You don't want a dodgy friend that doesn't text you back. And even furthermore on that, pick partners that are going to be supportive of it. Like I could not have gotten through this week without my partner and I'm okay for like to be a little bit codependent in that way because it's been such an emotional load and I think I'm so lucky that I have a partner that's so open to talking about this stuff because unfortunately like – guys in their mid-20s are so a lot of them are still stuck in that real I don't want to talk about that Uh stage and it's like and there's a lot of them in out there and obviously I'm not in this situation but single girls in the dating pool so probably ask yourself the big questions early when either starting a friendship or relationship like can I see myself really opening up to this person and is this person going to be able to hold that space for me when I'm feeling really vulnerable. Mm. Um, But, yeah, they're probably the main things. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Have a good support circle. And, yeah, just, like, be your own boss. Like, (laughs) go in, ask for what you want, demand it. Like, Mm. you're not paying $250 for a consult to sit there and listen to an encyclopedia. Like, (laughs) especially because it is such a heightened emotional experience when you're in there too. So it is good to have those pre-prepared questions because you can go – this is what I wanted to ask when I had a straight head. Like, because when they give you bad news, it's very easy to fall to pieces. Because as, like, and we are quite emotionally driven driven as women and with such an emotional issue, Mm -hmm. it is kind of easy to lean into that part of ourselves when we kind of need to put our clinical hat on a bit and go, okay, but how do I deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't get upset. Just give me the facts. Yeah. Yeah. There's much information now. I can look it up later. Yeah. Yeah. So you just touched on your relationship with your partner. Um, You do post often about your current partner and his child. On one post, you refer to your trio saying, you two are my most unexpected adventure and alliance and I wouldn't have it any other way it sounds like you all have a really special relationship and such a tight bond 
What was it like taking on such a mature role and being a mother figure for your partner's child while still being in your early 20s? Um, I've always I've always liked to consider myself quite maternal. So it probably wasn't as big of a transition as initially I thought it was going to be, if that mm, makes yeah. sense. Like I've always been a bit of an old soul and like I've always loved kids. So I knew that part of it wasn't really going to be an issue, but it's it's more like I'm building this beautiful little relationship with this little man that has such a cool personality and so quirky and so similar to his dad. Like, so as I kind of get to know him better, because, you you know, we're always, we're constantly learning about each other. I think it's a really special thing because I get to be part of this little man's life and learn, learn so much about him and watch him grow, you know, like he would be developing his personality more and yeah. more as he grows. Yeah. And it happens before my eyes because, you know, he's 10 now and like this is his second last year of primary school. So he's in high school and like Aww. less than two years. I feel years. like it's going to change so much between now <laughs> and yeah, then. Hey? Yeah. And I just think I'm just so, so lucky that I've been given this opportunity to be in this little man's life. I mean, obviously I fell in love with his dad, but I've got to fall in love with this little guy too and like I love him so much. Like it hurts my heart. Yeah. I was gonna say I feel Sometimes. like the way you like light up when you're speaking yeah. about him yeah. is so obvious. He's he's so cool. And he's got <laughs> I know I keep saying a quirky little personality, but Dean's got a really great sense of humor and Oliver's got Dean being my partner and Oliver's got the same one, but it's just like a, a mini version <laughs> that's still kind of figuring itself out. Like, yeah, it's been really, really cool to get to, you know, do this and, and be part of his life. And I guess, yeah, short answer to the question is adjusting hasn't been that hard because it's been so rewarding. Mm. Yeah. Every parent has their, like, their tricky moments, like – It's not always going to be smooth sailing and you're not always going to be that picture-perfect family skipping through the field. Like, (laughs) we have times, kids have tantrums, I have tantrums. Like, you know, it is what it is. But it's, yeah, it's definitely all worth it. Mm. So looking now to the rest of your 20s, I know you've probably got a little bit of a bumpy patch coming up, but Mm. what are your big plans? What can we expect to see from Daisy? Oh my gosh, after my 17 million career changes. <laughs> no, um, yeah, mine's been really kind of a couple of pies at the moment. So depending which mind is in a couple of pies, <laughs> my finger is in a couple of pies, my mind is in a couple of pies, places. I work in breakfast radio one day a week or more work experience rather. So I'm really trying to get into that industry um, and then I'm also – at Fitstop, where I'm an assistant, where I am an assistant manager of a gym. So um, I'll either probably get into radio and fly with that or probably purchase my own gym or work in the fitness space. Um, both things look really great to me. In saying that, like, I think it's really important not to have a five year plan because you never know what things mm. are going to be thrown at you, i.e., coronavirus. Yeah. So, or the re- opportunity to or go survivor. on survivor. Yeah. yeah. So, it's really important to be adaptable. So, whilst they are great ideas now and I can see myself doing them now, it may not be 
mm. where my future leads. I don't want to ever be closed off to anything. We want to continue growing our family and building it. So I do want to have kids in, you know, the next five or ten years. At what point, I don't know. Um, I know Oliver would be an awesome big brother. I've seen it mm. pretty much firsthand with some of our friends that have got little kids or babies. Aww. So, yeah, he'd be a little cutie. <laughs> um, I would also like to get married at some point. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge <laughs> if there's anyone out there a certain someone that I sleep next to every night (laughs) yeah so that is obviously on the agenda as well in that kind of family space yeah so finally with all of this in mind what is one piece of advice you would give to people in their 20s um don't get bitter get better oh Oh, good one that was a spicy ending I love I love that (laughs) saying I don't know why um but yeah that's a good saying though yeah yeah there's no point like when people chuck little tantrums about around you and or sling shit at you and it's like no point dwelling on it like just get be better be better than them yeah be better than that. Love that. Thank Love you. That. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Daisy. Thank you, you have such an incredible story and journey for someone so young. Like we've said, you really have packed a lot in yeah. in your 26 years. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we did have your quarter life crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You started yeah. young. <laughs> I'm dying at 60. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we really admire your strength and courage and like really appreciate the, yeah, the generosity of your time. And how much you've shared with us today. We know that our Blooming community is going to love your story um so if you would also like to follow daisy on instagram you can find her at at daisy richardson we will link her instagram and our episode notes thank you thanks for having me guys thanks for having this awesome platform to tell these stories it's it's cool i love it Talk Adulting 101, our weekly resource or recommendation that we found helpful in navigating our 20s. Britt, as always, you can go first. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) I have a book this week. I'm super proud that I'm recommending a book because it's taken me a while to get back into reading. Um, I've had just not as much time as I would like to read Mm. lately. So um, I finally finished a book. You and Daisy both. I know. It's called Honeybee by Craig Sylvie. I've heard great things. It's on my list. Yes, Yes. Same. I was recommended it and not even that long ago and I got straight into it and finished it very quickly. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away. It is quite sad and there's a lot going on. Like, you know, those novels which have a lot of different storylines happening concurrently, which end up coming together in a really hooking way. Yes, I love Indicator movies of a good like book. that. Yeah. <laughs> I have movies like that. You said book like that. <laughs> Basically, it's about a 14-year-old boy called Sam and a man in his late years called Vic who meet by a chance encounter and make a connection. They quickly bond because of their respective suffering and you read about how each privately commits to saving the other. Um, The narrator Sam is a person who's battling to navigate the world as their true self um, and you learn about his upbringing with a troubled mother. I also like this book because it so simply portrays how difficult everyday life can be for someone who is in Sam's position and how unfair we are as a society to people who are navigating this path. I did listen to it on Audible just so I could listen all the time, you know, like while driving (laughs) or walking um, because I struggle to make the time to like sit down and read a book. But it is also available at every good bookstore. So you have the choice. 
I'm definitely going to like make that a priority on one of my next books. We'll have to like swap or whatever because I want to read the Samantha Willis one. Yeah, I can't do Audible though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a good listener. (laughs) What is your recommendation this week though? So I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. I feel like we unpacked so much in that chat with Daisy. So I don't want to take up too much time. And it's kind of random. I follow an influencer called Emma Carey. Have you heard of her? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she's like coined as the girl who fell from the sky. Mm -hmm. I've been obsessed with her and her story for years. Anyway, she um, recommended ages and ages and ages ago this – you like sign up with your email online and then every day you get an email in your inbox from the universe and it's like a note from the universe. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, so I don't read them every day but I do like to like occasionally have a flick through and like look at what the universe has sent me that day. So like for example, oh no, some of them are really corny and some of them are really lame but some of them are really nice. So this is just like a short one that I got um, last month which says – Being in the right place at the right time, Tessa, isn't something you can force. It just happens when you keep busy effortlessly. Imagine that, the universe. And so it's just like, like some of them are longer and some of them are short, but it's just, I don't know, sometimes it's nice to have like, feel as if the universe is writing a little note to you. And yeah, it's kind of lame, but I like it. Hmm, no, it sounds really sweet. I'll have to check that out. Sometimes it would be good to, you know, get a bit of an uplifting motivation in the morning if you're heading in, into a day that you're maybe not mentally ready for. Yeah, and I think it's interesting sometimes you've had a day and then you open it up and read it and it like relates so perfectly from your mm. day and you're like, oh my gosh. I needed this. I needed this. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be religious at reading them, but adulting life. So it takes over. No, what a great recommendation. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, I'll leave the link where you can sign up in our show notes. Thank you for listening to another In Bloom episode of Blooming featuring Daisy Richardson. If you're enjoying our little podcast baby, please let us know by leaving a rating or review because algorithm things and we appreciate the generosity and also (laughs) by hitting the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Yes, and please come find us on Instagram at blooming.podcast and tag us in your stories to show us how you're listening to Blooming or using one of our resources. Remember to DM us. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and if you loved our In Bloom guest today, Daisy Richardson, as well as what topics you'd like us to talk about in the future. Yeah, I feel like we have some good ones coming up, but we'll always take ideas. P.S. If you have someone you would love us to interview, please send them our way. Chat next week, bugs. Bye. Testing. I know testing, I'm going to talk way, way louder than this. I'm like, oh, a little cute, like phone voice, like <laughs> testing. <laughs>